clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is gone. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. Stop it! Oh, please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane! That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson lock to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, my friends. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I'm wild card laughing. Wild card laughing for Super Wild Card Weekend. Friends, it's so, so nice to be back with you. Uh, Obviously, we took another week off. It's just been a crazy year for everybody, obviously. Uh, Lots to talk about, though, in our first ever what the NFL is clearly trying to make called Super Wild Card Weekend because it's on every single marketing campaign you can see uh, right now for the NFL. We've uh, got trying to make Adam. They're successfully making. <laughs> there are six games this weekend, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Very excited for it. We're here to preview all six matchups, but also talk about a couple of other things as well. So there's a lot to cover. We're also going to have some avid Browns fans in my family to talk about them breaking their drought and and all sorts of good stuff. So let's just get – we'll get right into it. There's so much to talk about. So last week we were supposed to have a show. We ended up not being able to. Just It was – like I said, it's been a long year for everybody. But I had a uh, good old-fashioned Revanticall a rant, rave, and recall about the Miami Dolphins. And I'm going to kind of reiterate it a little bit, and I think it's worth talking about the Dolphins for a little bit. They're one of the – there's only a handful of teams in NFL history that have won double-digit games and not made the playoffs. The Miami Dolphins, one of those teams. So I was going to talk about fans saying, oh, Tua sucks. That's a bad decision on the Tua benching. This was in the Raiders game a couple weeks ago on Christmas. Uh, And I wanted to say that I was wrong because we have been on the show and even out of the show. I have said I hated the decision. I hated that they did that. I wanted to see Tua get the opportunity to make those big moments. But I want to make a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse reference here, right? So there's a scene scene in Into the Spider-Verse where the true Spider-Man and Miles Morales are swinging. And he's like, ah, look at us. Me, the teacher who can still do it. You, the younger one who can do it, but not quite as well. And I feel like that's perfect. It's Fitz that is the teacher who can still do it. And Tua, Miles, is the one that can do it, just not as well right right now. And what I loved about the post game in the Raiders game, and even 
leading up to the Buffalo game, which obviously went so far into the darkness that we don't even really need to dwell on that as much. But talking about, you know, Fitz has been in the league so much that he knows quick read, throw it. Tua's still learning a lot of that. Tua wasn't even supposed to play this year, really. He was supposed to sit down and, and rest and get healthy. And I think that, that that's really important. I just I think Tua handled it so well. He cited that f- the, him and F-Flo, B-Flo cited Fitz getting into a groove, end quote. Also, his ability to just get the decision quick, uh, called him Fitz Magic. Flores was, was still behind Tua, just saying they needed a spark. Um, at the time, at the end of the Vegas game, I was saying that Flores was hand down my coach of the year. Now, we could talk about that a little bit. I don't think he is anymore. But at that time, that's what I wrote down because Fitz is the first backup to come in and win a game in relief of the starter since 2016. So it's been a while. Also, something else I wanted to say, analytics heavily favor the choice uh, to not score that gave them a 96% chance to win for the Raiders. I remember uh, at the end of that game, you know, John Gruden decided to, to, to try to run the clock out and kick the field goal. The The analytics heavily favored that decision. It gave them a 96% chance to win, and Miami still won. So this is, I don't necessarily disagree with the decision he made, and John said he didn't regret it. I'm just saying this is a game that we point to when we debate analytics to saying that sometimes you got to go with your gut. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended that game 9 of 13, 182 and a touchdown. There were two separate times in that game that each team had a 99% chance to win. So that was a wild game. Obviously, uh, it hurts a little bit to talk about it now after we saw what happened in week 17. But I just wanted to give a little shout out because I thought, I really thought Ryan Flores for the most part handled this, this, uh, Tua Fitz combo really well for most of the year and then I'll pass it on to the Miami fan in a second here I just wanted like I said this is from two weeks ago but even though week 17 was was pretty garbage and it was pretty rough for Miami fans if if you told every Miami fan you win 10 games this year they would have taken it in a heartbeat it sucks that you know it wasn't enough to make the playoffs but it's a fantastic season for a team that's that's right there that's right on the cusp yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are some, uh, I don't know if I should call them sour feelings about week 17. I mean, sure, it uh, was not that fun, but, you know, that's that's the game. They didn't come out, and they played a little, they played their most lifeless game of the season, in my opinion, uh, last week against Buffalo, which was just uh, unfortunate timing and, and whatnot. But, you know, going back to that Vegas game, I... I, I don't mind the way that Brian Flores handled the situation. I think, honestly, I think a lot of the things, though, are being uh, semi-overblown uh, in in regards to a lot of, of those that handling and, and what happened and whatnot. I mean, honestly, even if, if you break down what happened when Ryan Fitzpatrick came into the game, it's, it's all a little bit skewed, honestly. There were two plays that Ryan really pushed the ball downfield, not including the, quote, Hail Mary, which was really only about a 25-yard pass right. when all said and done. Um, but that, that that's the difference, is that right now, I think everyone that's saying he was awful, he was stuck, uh, he doesn't know how to push the ball down the field, he, he needs to learn, and I think he will, 
uh, what it means to be open in the NFL versus what it meant to be open in Alabama. And that's obviously a different thing. Tua was playing with four, what's most likely going to be four first-round wide receivers in the NFL draft uh, was time in Alabama. It's just a little bit different. So obviously there are, there are so many different aspects. That's one of them. Uh, Brian Flores is such a coach of don't turn the football over. That's how you win the game. I think in some ways Tua was kind of in his own head about making those sorts of mistakes. I think that obviously impacted that a little bit. Uh, moving forward, I think with a full off season and whatnot, that will help. And like you said, though, bud, I think you nailed it. This was this is a kid that uh, a year ago we were questioning whether or not he was ever going to play football again. Not only in the National Football League, the pinnacle of what it is to play the game, but just at all. Right. We didn't know if he was going to be coming back. Right. Uh, we there were there were things about whether or not he would ever take a hit, and he took plenty of hits and always jumped right back up. That was a really good thing to see uh, from the franchise. And obviously, anything can always happen on any given game, any given hit. But it was just good to see him be able to take a, a physical contact and be able to get up and, and shake that off and continue playing a game. So, I, in my opinion, the, the future is really bright in Miami. They now have two top 20 picks, four in the top 40 of this year's draft. Uh, only seven teams have more cap space than them this year, and what's going to be a cap condensed year. Right. So things things are going pretty well for the Dolphins. Dolphins and that's that, that, and that's honestly like that's a really great point to make about well, especially the cap, but also the picks four in the top. Would you say four in the top forty, something like that? Um, uh, not the not top forty. Sorry, I meant to say sixty. But regardless, that's still that's still a lot of picks in the top half of the draft for sure. And I think that that's important to have that flexibility, knowing that you can go, okay, we're either going to go heavy early on offense or heavy early on defense. And then the other part that we don't go heavy on, we have plenty of cap space to fill out that too. I just I liked what you said the other day. We were talking about this, and I th- I don't know if it was during the Buffalo game or the the Raiders game, but you're like, I cannot wait to see this this team with weapons because there were like, I think it was a Buffalo game because there were three or four times where Isaiah Ford just flat out he, he had like Drop, no one no one could catch the football there the there was like a hundred drops and I'm sitting over there on the couch and I'm like I wanting to celebrate from plays but I'm like this is gross like this is bad and Miami was the number one scoring defense going into that game and then Buffalo dropped fifty six on them. And they dropped them to the six scoring defense. So, like, Buffalo scored so much that they dropped them out of the top five scoring defense. And I don't even know if that was all on the defense. Like, obviously, the the defense played very well in the first quarter. Um, Then, obviously, you know, Josh Allen and the starting offense scored 28 in the second quarter. But it started off like, okay, this is a great defense. And then the offense just put them in bad position left and right so uh, like i said i still think brian flores i don't think he'll end end up as a finalist for head coach of the year but he's been uh he's coached at head coach of the year caliber these two years as a coach and i can't wait to see what he does when he has the full off season uh we don't have to dwell on that too much but i just like i said i love when you made the comment like i can't wait to see this team with weapons because i really think you give to a couple more weapons this team can be scary and as a bills fan who you know, we went undefeated in the division for the first time in the history of the AFC East. Um, 
as excited as I am about my team and the future of us, like Miami is scary if they can get this right and they have the ammunition to do so. So, yeah, they absolutely do. And I think the, the future is right. I think there's just so many, uh, circumstances that made the, some fans sour on the team and on Tua. And that that's an unfortunate thing. I mean, we're talking about a team that I think the, the success of the year is what made some fans be like, Oh, like, this is, this isn't okay. What's happening. And we have nothing going on. Like this is a kid that obviously before week 17, he threw three interceptions, but he had a 10 to two touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, that was really, really good numbers. And even if you go to your guy, Josh Allen there, he had comparable numbers to uh, his rookie season and, and nobody was ready to pull the trigger and be like, this guy, just get rid of this guy. And, you know, so there are, there are a lot of different aspects to what's going on there in, in the organization, and I think it's exciting. Absolutely. So let's transition from one, before we get into the playoff matchups, let's transition from one quarterback that people have questions about to one that absolutely nobody should ever have questions about, and that's one Deshaun Watson, starting quarterback of the Houston Texans. Kind of breaking news, we just talked about it right before we went on air, and a report came out from ESPN that Deshaun Watson might possibly ask for a trade out of Houston. Now, obviously, Houston uh, firing their GM slash head coach in um, Bill O'Brien, and, uh, you know, honestly, this is wild, but it, I don't know if it's that shocking for a guy who... Obviously, for those of you who are avid listens, listeners of Simultaneous Catch, Josh has predicted beginning of the year that he would have his best statistical year. He did. Further proof that quarterbacks may not be as much – wins might not be as much of a quarterback stat as we all like to think they are. But Deshaun Watson possibly requesting a trade. I guess I just want to get your initial thoughts and then maybe we talk about if it's real landing spots, you know? Yeah, it's really big news, uh, especially for, for such a young superstar to come out. It's not shocking, like you said. Obviously, this is a bit of an organization that's in some disarray. I do find it surprising that it's on the day that uh, the new GM of got hired. Texans, Nick, I, Nick Cesaro, I something like that, Cicero, from New England. Cesaro was, was hired, and I think that's a really good hire, personally. I agree. Person that they were interested in uh, last year, and New England blocked that. So they finally got their guy at GM. I think that could yield some good results. Obviously, this year is going to be difficult without that first round pick, and it hurts even more that it's such a high first round pick and their second round pick going to Miami. Yeah, number three overall. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see it happening. I I don't the Houston Texans pulling that kind of trade. I can't even imagine what it would cost to get a Deshaun Watson. That has to yeah, be I mean, a I think that has to, you know. <laughs> I think we're looking at if I mean if we're gonna look at this honestly and logistically, because we both agree that like it would actually make sense that he would want out and that a trade could be desired by two parties. But agreeing on a price is the next step. And there are plenty of teams that would want him. We're looking at probably, if somebody would pull this, the haul that the Rams got when Washington wanted to trade out for RG3. And ironically, a team, if he's going to be traded, that should do everything to get him would be the Washington football team. 
I mean, that as soon as I read this news, I said, Washington, trade your whole draft if you have to. Grab Deshaun Watson. And if you get that, you're already in Super Bowl contention. Like, I don't know if you feel like that, but I'm very – like, I very much – obviously, we, we talked about I got in a fight with our – our friends in our dynasty diehard football league about me saying that I think Deshaun Watson is just as talented as Patrick Mahomes. It's just that Pat fell in the right situation and Deshaun didn't. But if you want to talk about a team that could jump right into the Super Bowl for training for for Deshaun Watson, that would be a team I would jump to right away. Obviously, we got to talk about pricing and everything, but I don't know how you feel about that or if there's another team that jumps out of you, but that's the one that grabs me right away. Yeah, I would definitely put Washington in the top three of the teams that instantly come to my mind. Uh, I put them. San Francisco comes to my mind. That's a great one. Grab a quarterback, then you have like that defense that can do all sorts of things. They have a really explosive offense, and to get a a great piece like Deshaun Watson, that would instantly put them right back into the Super Bowl conversation. The other one that I would look for be really interesting and, and to think about what's going on with their quarterback room though, in my opinion, would be the New Orleans Saints. Oh, I love it. Oh my God, I love it. I think uh Sean Payton would absolutely salivate to have the quarterback talent of a Deshaun Watson. You can say whatever you want about about Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, but not, neither of them are going to be coming close to what Deshaun Watson brings to the table. So if they wanted to have a a real smooth transition moving up from Drew Brees, that would be a guy to look out for, especially if they do want to be uber-aggressive. And I think Sean Payton is a pretty aggressive guy. Combine him with that defense that they have there in New Orleans. I think that'd be, and I will, be uh, a little bit of a an under-talked-about team that may be interested in doing that. I'm glad you said New Orleans because it did pop in my mind second. I will say, just to kind of wrap it up, one other team, if this is going to happen or be shopped, to keep an eye on would be the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are about to possibly oh. would be possibly move on from Big Ben. That would be a pretty nice marriage of that defense with those receivers. Um, I, I and he knows what it's like to work with a with an offensive line that might be a little suspect at times. So we would see what happened. But like I said, I think if I were making a top three landing spots for Deshaun, it would be Washington, New Orleans, and and Pittsburgh as a as a sleeper team. But again, I don't think either. I, I, yeah, I don't think many of us think it's going to happen. I feel like it's more of a Deshaun floating out like, guys, if you don't get this right, I'm not about to waste my career sitting in Houston barely making the playoffs and maybe winning a game every now and then because they were up 24 nothing not long ago against the eventual Super Bowl champions and lost. So he's not yeah. he's not going to sit around for a while here. That's why I found this very interesting. Uh, obviously, we here at Simultaneous Catch will follow it very closely as we go on, but I thought it was uh, good to bring up. It absolutely is good to bring up. And like I said, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like there's probably frustrations floating around from Deshaun Watson of being, like you said, they were up 24 in in the conference game, and now they are the, quote, third worst team in football without reaping any of the benefits of that even. So it probably is just being like, you know what, man, like I, I'm tired of this. But I do feel like Deshaun Watson, from what we know about him, seems to be a pretty loyal kid 
I don't think he would just turn his back on the organization to draft him. It's probably just frustrations at this moment coming off a, right. a pretty big failure of a year. So. Absolutely. And and you really can't blame blame for that. There are a lot of teams that are that are in that frustration level. But let's let's segue right into uh, the NFL playoffs. I I cannot I mean, yes, I'm not gonna lie, a huge part of this is about my Buffalo Bills. But just in general, I'm so excited for this weekend of football. I don't know how you feel, but it just really feels like uh, this it's just super wild card, man. Super wild card weekend. So many fantastic football games happening. Um, let's we're just gonna go right through order in, in order of appearance, um, and we'll start. We're gonna start with that Saturday one o'clock game. The 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 Indianapolis Colts, Adams preseason Super Bowl team, going to face Adams team, Adam's real team, Buffalo so, Bills, and I go. just a couple of things. To, I just wanted to say a couple of things. So uh, a, a little factoid I had about the Bills after we would have talked about them beating the New England Patriots. It's just this whole season was about exercising a lot of demons for Buffalo fans and for the team. So Buffalo beat New England by twenty nine points. In the history of New England and Bill Belichick, they beat Buffalo by 28 or more seven times. Not a single other team in the division beat them by that much. And obviously, Buffalo beat them by that much. Just an absolute beatdown. The Buffalo Bills in the last six weeks, since week 12, are first in win-loss, first in points per game at 38.2, first in points margin per game, winning by... 19.8 19.8 points per game and offensive efficiency at 89.7% out of 100. They've won every game by double digits. The last team to do that was the 2014 Seattle Seahawks, who went on to lose, obviously, in the famous you should have run the damn ball play against the New England Patriots. <laughs> so the, the 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 Buffalo Bills are as hot as any team could has ever been heading into the playoffs. And I'm just this game is so fascinating and I want to hand it off to you to talk more than I will. Like I want to set it up and hand it off to you because for me as a Bills fan I'm like let's just crush this team. But this is a really good team that that just got into the playoffs because really of us beating the Dolphins. So I kind of want to hand it off to you and see what you think about this game. Yeah, you're right. This is uh, obviously a good way to kick off the Super Wild Card Weekend. This is going to this. This could go either way. You know, they are playing one of the hottest teams. I'd say the hottest team in the AFC right now. But at the same time, there there's an element that I'm I'm always really fascinated about. The final seed, obviously, this year we have the seventh seed, which hasn't uh, been a thing in the years past. But this is a team that kind of snuck in, if you will. They were on the outside looking in after week 16, had the cards fall the way that they needed to to get in. But Darius Leonard came out today and, and was talking about how they're they're going to play with no pressure. There's no expectations. Uh, everyone thinks the seventh seed uh, is kind of the, the joke of the NFL right now, the team that doesn't need to be in it. Uh, so I think playing free like that can be could be a good thing. This is obviously a really hot defense at the beginning of the year. It's cooled down as of late. But I'll go back to a, a game last year where the Indianapolis Colts with Jacoby Brissett were able to go into Kansas City and beat Kansas City because of the play style that they wanted to do, running the clock, keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline, 
making the opportune plays when they needed to on defense and just limiting that. I think these bills are, are similar to that kind of offense right now where when obviously when Josh Allen and the bills are out there on offense, they're scoring points. And so how are you going to do it? You need to keep them off. You need to keep them on, on the sideline. So you have a coach in Frank Reich that is able to have that kind of game plan. They've done it in a similar uh, situation obviously not in the playoffs, but going into Kansas City and pulling off that upset. So I'm going to be really fascinated to watch this one. Yeah, and like you said, I just, I really, I really think that this game is going to be decided in the first quarter. I think that if Buffalo comes out, guns a-blazing like we've been the last six weeks and goes up 14-17-0 right away, then I think it's a wrap. And I and I don't like I said I I'm trying not to be like cocky about this because they're my team, but I just think that if they go up like that, I don't know if Philip Rivers and that offensive weaponry in terms of the passing game can sit back and come back against us. If they're gonna win, it's gonna be like you just said the Jacoby Brissett game where they ran the ball, they grinded it, they held possessions. There was like. 10-plus possessions every time they scored, whether it was a touchdown or a field goal. You know, it was like they squeezed every ounce of that game out with their run game and their quick, you know, passing, get it out, yards after catch. If They're going to win that way. They're not going to win if we score real quick, real quick, real quick. I, I love Phillip Rivers. And, again, they were my preseason pick. But I just don't see Phillip Rivers throwing for 300-plus and three touchdowns to win this game. I I mean, you talk, call, tell me I'm crazy if I am. I just don't see that. I mean, you're just certainly not crazy for saying that. I will say, let's go back a few weeks. Uh, being the Indianapolis Colts found themselves down in a situation at halftime against the Green Bay Packers, were able to get themselves back in the game to eventually win. So that's good. That's a good point. I agree with you. It, it's tough, but they can look back on an instance of they've been in that situation already this year have have done it so i would say yeah obviously you love when uh the team you're rooting for or your team jumps out to a huge start and you're feeling real good right but right. if that does happen that's not something like first quarter we got it they team's been there having uh leadership like Phillip, i think can be a good thing obviously he is a quarterback that at times has forced things in those situations didn't in that green bay game and it turned out all right so we'll see though yep. i think i think Obviously, you want that as a Buffalo Bills fan. You would obviously take that. You're not going to complain about it. But these Colts have been there in this situation this year. So I will can look back at that as, as an instance to say, hey, you know, we still have 45, 30 minutes to play. Let's go do it. I will, just to wrap this up, I will point out, because those are all great points, Phillip Rivers has not won an outdoor game with the temperature under 35 degrees and the temperature right now forecast is 30 degrees on Saturday. Phil Rivers has not won a game in those weather conditions since 2013. It's been a while. So we'll, oh, see. we'll see what happens. But it's cold in Buffalo. We'll see what happens. So let's just move on to the next game. I can go on for that forever, obviously, being my team. So let's go to the <laughs> afternoon game on Saturday. I believe it is the Rams at Seattle. And Rams I don't know. Seahawks. I don't know if you have an update. Is John Wolford the starting quarterback or is it Jared Goff? I don't know right now. Do you? That's really good question. I haven't heard anything definitively as of yet. 
So, but hopefully uh, you are going to want Jared Goff. Uh, I know he has been back at practice throwing the football, but what does that ever mean when you when you hear something like that? So <laughs> that is obviously not a, a true indication of being ready to play. So I think the word is still being pretty pretty hush-hush right now. And honestly, I think that's probably the best way to do that if you're the Rams organization is not to say who your starting quarterback is going to be because if, if it's not Jared Goff and you're going to announce that, then I feel like the Seahawks can just kind of pin their ears back. I think obviously Sean McVay would love for them to think that it's going to be the backup quarterback and then have number 16 roll on out, even whether or not you your opinions on Goff are high or low or somewhere in between. Obviously, you'd rather have him uh, out there in, in this wild card playoff game. So I will say this. So to answer the question, I don't know. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I've been high and low on Goff our entire career as a podcast. I remember our first year when he had those that, that great game against the Saints. Obviously, it was controversial how it ended, but I remember talking about the game being super impressed with the throws that Jared Goff made. This past yeah. year and a half, not impressed with Jared Goff really at all. And I will say this. John Wolford, the AAF superstar, th- first play of his in- of his NFL career, pick six. After that, he threw for over 250 yards and rushed for over 50 yards. Do you know the only other quarterback to do that in NFL history? Uh, are we talking about like after throwing a pick six in your first? Play? No, 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 no. Just those stats. To the the amount of yards he threw for and over 50 yards rushing. Uh, Randall Cunningham. It's a trick question because he's the only one to ever have done it. So Wow, I throw a trick question. That's rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but where my point is, people will make fun of this, and people will have laughed at that game. John Walford played pretty darn good after that first play. He made a bad mistake, and, uh, and you know there are a lot of ways that you can excuse it, whatever you want to call it. But the kid came back and stood up and played, and I that's impressive to me. I, I'm more worried about there are far more Nathan Petermans who throw four more picks after their first pick on their first drive of their career than there are John Walfords who turn around and have career days after their first pick in their first career game. And that's impressive to me. And I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, my God, John Walford's better than John uh, Jared Goff, although who really knows at this point? I just believe in Sean McVay more than most people do. And we kind of talked we kind of touched on this earlier in the season where you said that you didn't know if you were as high on Sean McVay as you used to be, but also I think part of that was baked into the expectation expectations became exponentially high for a Sean McVay. I also thought they went a little bit too far, but I will say I don't think the Walford possibility hinders my feeling on this game as much. I don't know where you are on that, but the Seattle offense has not been good really at all in the last handful of weeks, and that's a problem. And uh, Chris Collins, or, or uh, Colin Coward, sorry, made a really interesting point that I thought you might like. We both like him on the on the herd on Fox Sports. He made a point. He said, if the first half offense of Seattle and the second half defense of Seattle can combine, then this team's going to win the Super Bowl. thought that was an interesting point. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it comes down to for me. Uh, you're talking about that offense of Seattle has not been firing on all cylinders, especially from what we saw on the first half of the season. But on the flip side of that, the defense has been exponentially better 
And so that's where I'm talking about where maybe a Wolford is not going to get the job done. In my opinion, last week, and obviously I think you made a really, really great case. I think you said some good things. And obviously it is really impressive to have such a catastrophic, if you will, start. Can't get any worse than what happened. And then you turn it around. I think that's a really great point. But in my opinion, he just did what the team needed him to do to win the game where this is going to be a completely different animal going up into Seattle to play a playoff game, whether or not the 12th man is there or not. But Jared Goff, on the other hand, say what you will, whether or not he's been impressive or not during his career. I know, like you said, uh, the, the last year plus you have been down on him, but he knows how to play these Seahawks, and he always plays them tough. So having that familiarity, I think, is going to be a real big key here as well especially as the defense has come on as of late. So I think that, and again, this is my other Super Bowl team that I picked preseason. Uh, Seattle was favored by four and a half points earlier in the week. The line has moved to three and a half points. I did pick them to cover at four and a half. I think it's going to be a close game regardless of who plays. Um, I think this is going to be a hard-nosed fought football game. Uh, um and it always is between these it, two teams, and that's my point. It always is between these two teams. So, so we'll save. I think we. I think we'll go like quick picks at the end of uh, previewing all them, all of them. But I think we. I think we can move on to the next game because you're right. I think we've. Like, it's just going to matter of which version of their defense shows up, which version of their offense shows up for Seattle, but also for for LA. So, uh, let's go to. I think other than the Bills game, my favorite game of the week, and it, yes, I'm by. Bi- <laughs> I'm biased. But the sure Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're, I'm looking at Fox bet right now. The money line is changing as I'm speaking. Fox does not know what to do with this game. Tampa Bay going to the Washington football team. And I'm going to save my thoughts after your thoughts. Okay? So I want you to go first. Well, there certainly is a lot of intrigue about this game. I, I love the whole Chase Young. Oh, I love it. Brady and Arian <laughs> putting back about that. Uh, for me right now, the question is, what's, what's the story with Alex Smith? Uh, he's questionable. Is he going to play? I feel like he probably isn't going to pass up this opportunity unless something's really wrong uh, getting back to the playoffs after everything that's happened to him uh, with obviously his injury and whatnot. But that's going to be a huge, huge key as to what happens uh, with, this, with this game. You're right. I think it's a, it's a fun one. We're going to see uh, the Bucks back in the playoffs for the first time uh, in 10-plus years. We're going to see Alex Smith after all of that. There's a lot of intriguing aspects of this game. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it too. But I, I, I just hope that we see a good a good spot game, which uh, for obviously the, the NFC least, if you will, uh, getting to host a playoff game. I know some people are sour about that I think but it's awesome. obviously they, they did what they they did what they needed to do uh, to, to earn that and, and that's what it is so I just hope we get to see a playoff caliber team which they can be we've seen it they've been very impressive at times facing off against against the the goat so I will say this a lot of it does hinge on Alex Smith for me because I just because Alex Smith with the Washington football team is five and one this year, five and one. And I I saw the stat of his record when he started for them two years ago. If you combine it together, it's like ridiculously good when he starts for this football team. They're very hard to beat. Um, so that does matter to me. 
But regardless of who starts, who plays quarterback, I'm st- Washington is giving eight and a half points. So Tampa Bay is favored by eight and a half. I'm taking those points. Like I, th- this is not going to be a blowout. I will stake my entire simultaneous catch co-hosting career on the fact that this will be a one possession game. I don't care who's starting. We talk. How many times do we talk about? What does Tom Brady struggle against the most? Pressure from the front four, right up the middle. They have four first-round picks on this line, including Chase Young, the runaway defensive rookie of the year. He's sensational. When you guys, when you have guys like Payne and Sweat and Chase all up on that front four, like it's coming for you. And I just think. We talked about it, how much we both agree we hated the whole Bruce Arians in not a really convincing win. was like, we can do whatever the hell we want. I really, really, really want to see this front four get after Tom Brady. Not just because I have my own bias against Tom Brady, but because of that overconfidence that we saw near the end of the season. I I think that people, including the Bucks, were like, we want... We, there were reports out of Tampa Bay that said the Bucks said they only played all their starters because this is the matchup they wanted. They wanted the NFC East division champ. And, you know, Bruce Arians keeps talking about, care for what you wish for, Chase Young. Care for what you wish for, Tampa Bay. That's what I say. And, and I'm going to say all this. Right. I'm saying this on the show because I've been stupidly wrong plenty of times before that Washington's going to win this game. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm predicting it. It's going to be – I'm not doing a friend's fortune. This is my friend's fortune. The, that front seven is going to sack Tom Brady a bunch, and they're going to – this is going to be the upset of the week. Um, I could be wrong, and it could be biased. And if, if, if I'm wrong, I will come on the show and say, you know what? I was biased. I was eating with my eyes. I didn't see what was going. I wanted it more than I thought it was going to happen. But until that moment, I'm saying it's going to happen. That's my prediction. I like that confidence, and I am not afraid to agree with you. If it is Alex Smith, uh, if it is Taylor Heineke, uh, I will absolutely take that line. I think it will be a blowout. <laughs> if it is Taylor Heineke, I'll feel a little bit less confident about it for sure. Um, I didn't hate what I saw from him when he came into the game two weeks ago, but just the fact that Alex did play against Philly, I feel, I feel more confident that he'll play this week. We'll see what happens, but... Um, we don't have to wax poetic more about this game. Uh, I'll be very, very ready for that game. So let's move on to the what was that Saturday night game. Yeah, it'll be it'll be wild. So let's move on to Sunday, which is the I think likely the best playoff game of the weekend. Don't know where you land on this, but Baltimore versus Tennessee to me very clearly the best game of the weekend and two. Interesting. I I don't have it that way, but I like the game. I like the game a lot. It's actually, in my opinion, if I was ranking the six best games, I'd have this at at three, honestly. So what's one and two for you? One and two are the first two games of the weekend, the Colts at Bills and the the Seahawks. See, uh, that's – okay, I I, I mean, I I think all six games are pretty good. Even even Chicago New Orleans is intrigued with the whole Mitchell Trubisky of it all. But – I just think that this is all the storylines you want. The Titans who came in hot last year and rolled through people are coming in limping this year. The Ravens who came in off their bye and were like, oh, we're the best last year, got something to face this year. They're coming in hot like we're underdogs. Let's go. 
Lamar Jackson, 0-2 in his playoff career, turned 24 the day that we're recording today on Thursday, uh, trying to break those things. Happy birthday, Lamar. Yeah, 24 years old. He's a young kid. I did bet on uh, on my six-team parlay. I did bet Baltimore winning this game. I do believe in Lamar Jackson in this game. 400-plus total yards rushing for this team. Uh, in their last game, it's nuts. Obviously, Derrick Henry only was it the fifth or sixth player to top two thousand yards in his in a career in a season, and not even a chance to win the NFL MVP. So, we should go on a whole other tirade about how that award needs to be reassigned in another day. But uh, yeah, two wildly entertaining teams to watch. Uh, how do you feel? Yeah, I do think. Although I said this is number three, this game has so much intrigue as well. Obviously, the rematch of last year's game, and I uh, also a rematch of of a game earlier this this year. Went to overtime. There are two teams that played, and uh, so they are going to be familiar with each other. Obviously, uh, and you know, let's not forget about that that heated debate that started happening on the sideline. Harbaugh got a little heated during this game. So there's some bad blood between these two teams, which is fun to say about teams that aren't in the same division. Obviously, they're in the same conference, but you always hear about uh, interdivisional heated rivalries and whatnot. So this is certainly starting to become one of those matchups where teams get a little heated. And I think right now, yeah. especially, these two teams do not like each other. They do not. Harbaugh and and Rabel have uh, a bit of a rivalry brewing right here. So we'll see what's going to happen in this one. I think these are two of the hottest teams coming in right now. I think the way that the Titans, obviously they had a extremely close, hard-fought win against the Texans last week in 17. They had to have that A.J. Brown bomb in with under 20 seconds left to set up the field goal and whatnot. But I think in some ways you obviously don't want to be coming down to the final play of a game to win the game, especially against a quote-unquote well, stellar dweller, if you will. But that has to instill all the confidence in yourself that no matter what's happening, you're in a position that you can win. So I think, I don't know, sometimes I feel like when you have miracle victories like that, it can hurt the following week. But I think it can also add a lot of confidence. I'm really excited to see what happens here. Little tidbit about the Titans that really is the most pointless tidbit I've ever had. They played the the Ravens when they were six and three, and the next week they played a team when they were seven and three, and the following week they played a team when they were eight and three. I thought that was kind of fun, um, meaning that they were. I don't. I don't. I'm not talking about their record. I mean like. The Ravens and the Titans were both six and three. The next week, the Colts and the Titans were both both seven and three. And then the following week, they were both eight and three. I thought that was kind of fun. Regardless, yeah, I think this is going to be hard nosed Smash Mouth. And uh, if the Steelers do beat the um, Browns, the Steelers will face the 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 Bills if the Bills win, and then a beat up team has to go face KC. So this will be very interesting. To see what happens in this game, I just I think to me, and like I said, I'm a Bills fan. This is the best game of the week for me. I'm so excited to see this game, and that was interesting that you said it was in three for you, but it was probably three. So I, I like that a lot. Um, oh, the line for the Washington game just changed to eight points instead of eight and a half. So maybe Alex Smith was just declared okay. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> it literally just changes. I was watching <laughs> these four. These two teams, the Ravens and the Titans, have played each other four times 
in the postseason. And the road team has always come out victorious. So Baltimore going down to Tennessee. Let's see if history's on your side here and get that monkey I like that. back. So, I like that a lot. We'll see. All right, so let's move to the game that most people – are going to say is the easiest pick to be a blowout this weekend. I want to make my case for it to not to be, and then I'm going to pass it to you. Chicago goes to New Orleans. Chicago, after switching to Mitchell Trubisky, great record with Mitchell Trubisky as the starter. And I think they, the, the, the New Orleans is favored by 10 points. Full point blank, 10 points. This is my bet this of the week. Bet Chicago Plus ten points. It is not that New Orleans is not going to beat Chicago by more than ten points. I guarantee it right now. Mitchell Trubisky, this running offense. I know that the run defense of New Orleans is very good, but we saw a couple of weeks ago with a mobile quarterback and a Miles Sanders run all over this team. We have Mitchell Trubisky, a mobile quarterback with a very good running back. David Montgomery, they're going to be able to run the football. They're going to move the pocket. Allen Robinson, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. You've got the rookie Cole Komet coming on strong. All reliable, we joke about from Madden. Jimmy Graham still there. I just, I do not, and this defense has, at the beginning of the season, the first half, when they were 5-1, and one, people were being like, this is one of the better defenses we've seen in a long, long time. And then it dropped off because Nick Foles is not a very good quarterback. And they were like, oh, no, this team is not that great. This defense is still very, very good. And I believe Mitchell Trubisky in the playoffs in this moment. I'm not picking them to win. I do not think that they will win. This team will not lose by 10 or more points. What say you? Yeah, that's fair to say. Uh, obviously, one of the first things I'd say is I agree with you. This is still a really good defense. Absolutely. Let's not take that away from them. Mitchell Trubisky came out and said he wants to open up this offense and kind of throw the sink at the Saints. So we'll see what Matt Nagy can do, uh, what they can scheme up to play against this pretty, pretty good Saints defense. I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I'm really intrigued, and obviously this is this is something we've been talking about all year. This is this is a kind of a similar situation. The the Minnesota Vikings last year were in this spot where they went down to the Superdome and shocked and upset the Saints. So we'll see what Saints we get here. We'll see what Drew Brees does against this defense. Obviously, I, I'm not positive if Michael Thomas is playing, but we'll see if Michael Thomas being back when he when he is, if that's going to help. Uh, I don't know the status of Alvin Kamara. That was supposed to be something with it, the game being pushed back to Sunday instead of it being a Saturday game where he might be able to return. We'll see if, if there's an impact from that, even if he is on the field. Obviously, we saw, if we go back to the Baltimore Ravens-Cleveland Browns game, Lamar Jackson was talking about how he still felt a little bit drained, and that's why he had to go and get the, the cramp uh, liquids and whatnot because of all that. And so to have a flexible, bendy runner like Kamara maybe not being 100% if he is able to be out there, we'll see how that impacts him against a pretty talented Bears defense. I will say one thing that really hurts, and I think it hurt him against the Green Bay game a lot, is going to be the subtraction of not having Roquan Smith there in the middle for the Bears. I think that's a big one. That is a very good point. I'm going to leave you with this before we move on to the Sunday night game. Mr. Trubisky did come out and say, quote, we have nothing to lose, end quote. And I love when a team and a leader of a team says something like that, meaning what we have nothing to lose, throw it all 
at them and the kitchen sink, everything. And I believe in Matt Nagy and Mr. Trubisky to throw a lot of shenanigans at Sean Payton and this New Orleans team. I, I'm not, not, not picking Chicago to win this game, but Chicago is going to punch New Orleans in the mouth a couple of times in this game, and I expect it to be way closer than 10-plus points. So, Yeah, um, I agree. All right, moving on to the final game of the week. We're going to get my uh, Uncle Jim and my cousins James and Anthony, our Browns correspondence team, on to talk about this shortly, but we're going to talk about it first. Uh, one one of my favorite games of the week, it's losing its luster, obviously, with the news of Kevin Stefanski not being able to coach, being testing positive for COVID-19, and we're going to dig into that a little bit for sure. Obviously, they're going to be without Kadero Hodge, a receiver as well. I don't know about other players. I think Denzel Ward's going to play. Uh, obviously, they beat Pittsburgh last week, uh, sort of exercising some demons 24-22, but there were players missing, Big Ben, one of them, other defensive players, offensive linemen, things like that. There's a lot to go into this football game. Um, Want to get your thoughts. I will say in in defense of this Stefanski being out thing, he's going to be with them all week. He's going to coach up the game plan. And the first quarter is probably going to be, for the most part, scripted by Stefanski. So what we're going to find out by this team is what's going to happen in the adjustments in the second quarter and especially the second half. So I'll let you talk about it for a little bit, but I, I'm very intrigued to see what the effect of a possible coach of the year missing this playoff game. Yeah, I think you nailed a really important point. I think he obviously is going to be a very – instrumental part of how that game starts and just going to see how the game goes and what adjustments are made. And I think that's going to make or break this game. You know, I, I don't know. This is, this is a tough one. I, I picked Cleveland to beat Pittsburgh last week. I didn't know if they would, and they did by the hair on their chinny chin chin. I uh, obviously came down to a failed two point conversion for Pittsburgh as to whether or not that game could have possibly gone to overtime. We don't know if they sort of gotten to get the ball back and drive it down the field as quickly as he did in that Baltimore game. But I think with the additions of Big Ben being back, Big Ben who's uh, only technically lost twice, tied once against Cleveland, beaten them 23 times in his career, having T.J. Watt out there uh, trying to make life more difficult for Baker Mayfield than it was last weekend. There's going to be this is going to be a tough one for Cleveland. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how they come out and and respond. They obviously are going to be in the playoffs for the first time in so long, which you're going to be talking about with your family, which is a great thing. We'll see whether or not though they're able to capitalize on it. And right now, with the circumstances being the way they are, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do so. Okay, so I don't want to belabor this, so we'll move on. But let's go through the games real quick and just get each other's picks so that we know. And in case everybody was paying attention, Adam did win Pals picks three straight seasons. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you not paying attention week to week, Josh led Pals picks every single week until the last week. So it was a tough way to go out. Um, we won't we won't belabor that point too much. But let's go through picks real quick uh, before I go to my next point and we close out the show here. And then I'll I'll get uh, I'll get my my uh, Browns correspondence on the line. So let's go first game. Bills Colts. Who you got? There we go. I'm gonna take your Buffalo Bills in this one, pal. But I will not be shocked whatsoever if the Colts 
stupid this one out, but I'm going to stick with the home team, the Buffalo Bills. Like I, I said, not a hotter team in the AFC right now. Yeah. With them. I agree, too. I do think we win. I'm not going to – I wouldn't say I'd be shocked by any team winning maybe other than the Bears, like I said earlier. Uh, but I just – like you said, they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. or in the, Definitely in the AFC, maybe in the NFL. But, yeah, I just I, – I, I, I feel pretty confident about, about the Bills getting their, their first playoff victory since 1995. And then we head to the, after, the middle afternoon game there. Uh, Seahawks hosting the Rams. Yeah, we were talking about this one. We said we are not positive as to who is going to be playing quarterback for the L.A. Rams. I know you said you did not necessarily weren't overly concerned about that. I am, so I'm going to say what I say time and time again. In Russ, I trust. It's been a little bit tougher to say this past month, past season, or whatever you want to say it is. But in this situation, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll know how to win football games. The defense has been coming on. I think they're going to rattle whoever's back there. The Sean McVay Rams and taking the Seahawks. I will say this: uh, it's it's upsetting. Like I said, my preseason pick was Colts Rams, and they certainly have the Rams certainly have the defense to go that far, but they just got to figure out that offense. So much is beat up, and they don't really have a guy to lead it. I hope that it'll be interesting offseason for the Rams to find what their quarterback situation is going to be next year. But for now, I trust in Russ as well. I go Seahawks as well. So then we're going to go to this Saturday night game. I already called it my upset of the week. I'm going to pick Washington over Tampa Bay. I think the defensive line gets to Tom Brady enough. I think it's a close game. I'm even, I'll am i even give you a score. I think it's going to be 23-20 last second field goal by the Washington football team, and I think that Tom Brady gets sacked more than four or five times. All right. You know, if that happens, I will love it. I think that'll be a super fun narrative to follow and watch, but I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not taking anything into consideration about Tom Brady and the offense, but I want to focus on this defense, which is something that has not gotten a ton of love as of late, but still extremely good. I think they'll be able to limit whatever quarterback back there, but especially if it's Heineke, they're going to confuse and beat him up. So I want to see, you're talking about the Washington football team getting sacked. Let's see how many sacks the Buccaneers get. I'm going to go with them. Good call, good call. All right, so let's go to Saturday, the game of the week for me. Uh, Baltimore traveling to Tennessee. I'll go first. I'm picking Baltimore in this one. I feel very confident about this one. I just think Lamar steps up, and I showed you that clip of that video of John Harbaugh talking to Dobbins and just what a fantastic coach John Harbaugh is. Obviously, he's one coach of the year before, and I just think we've forgotten how good of a coach he is. I think he gets his team ready to go. I think Lamar has a uh, something to prove. I think they show it against Tennessee, a lackluster defense. Yeah, no, I agree with you on this one. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens. I think Lamar gets his first playoff win of his career. And the reason for that is that guy you just mentioned, J.K. Dobbins. This is a guy that had not come on completely the last time these two teams played. He's been coming on as of late and running really darn well. Obviously, cracked 150 yards for the first time in his career versus only having 70 when they played the Titans the last time. I think this is going to be a obviously a continuation of that ground game against a suspect run defense of the Titans, and I think they get it done. All right, let me go to the afternoon game. We've got the Bears traveling to New Orleans. I do have New Orleans. I would assume you would as well, but like I said, I am picking Chicago to cover 10 points. 
Yeah, I am not, honestly, I'm not, I'm also taking the Saints. I'm not super comfortable with it as much as I feel like I want to be comfortable with it. This is, like we said, a game that the Saints have been in before and lost before. You were talking about how you like the team mantra of just what do you have to lose, so let's go do it, play free. Obviously, the Bears are backing in the playoffs after losing to Green Bay last weekend. But I'm going to also take the Saints just because I feel like they have the more well-rounded team and the better head coach. So I'm going to tip it to the to the Saints. All right, and then rounding out the week, the Browns traveling to Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, your family's going to disagree with me and dislike it, and I'll let them defend the Cleveland Browns on their part here in the next couple of minutes. But I'm going to take the Steelers. I think they're the more well-coached team. Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know if I like saying that out loud. In my mind, I like it. Saying it out loud is a little bit iffy, but getting that talent back, the Big Ben, the T.J. Watt, some of the offensive linemen, et cetera, et cetera, I like it better. It was only a two-point game last week when Cleveland had everything to play for, and Pittsburgh was obviously not trying to play as hard as they could. It was only a two-point game. I'm going to go with the Steelers in this one. I'll say this. Close out. Leading up, leading up to the COVID issues and Stefanski missing the game, I was going to pick the Browns, but it matters to me. I Stefanski's my coach of the year sitting here right now. That matters to me. I think it's a close game. I think they lose very close, and I think Pittsburgh does get it done, and they get their rematch in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round. What a matchup that'll be, but... Uh, I think that if Stefanski were to be coaching this game and there would be no COVID restrictions, mano a mano, I would pick Cleveland. So I'm, do not color me surprised if Cleveland pulls off the upset. But as it stands right now, it's too much against Cleveland. I'm going to go with the Steelers. So There we go. All right, so we only differ on one pick, which is the Washington upset that I called. Every other pick we agree on. So yeah, and I, and if, you know, if you uh, that if you get that one right and I'm wrong, I'll, I'll be right there <laughs> cheering for Alex Smith with you. So all right, so let's do. Uh, I'm gonna do one more thing before we get get the Browns on, and then we'll wrap up ourselves and, and wrap up the episode, and then I'll add the the interview with my with my family later. So preseason, Josh said. Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl, Chiefs winning back to back. Adam said. Indianapolis Colts, Los Angeles Rams, Colts, Phillip Rivers riding off into the sunset. I'm going to give us both right now the chance to mulligan if we want and pick the Super Bowl right now. What do you got for me? Yeah, I am going to change my NFC representation. I'm going to go with my Green Bay Packers. I like what I've seen them doing on defense. They're not being talked about a ton on defense right now, but they have limited the Titans a few weeks ago. Extremely hot offense. They did a great job cycling the Bears who have been performing extremely well on offense to get back into the playoff picture. I'm going to go with them for the NFC, but I'm sticking with my AFC representation, the Kansas City Chiefs. Until I'm proven otherwise, they know how to win the games in the close ways. It hasn't always been pretty, but even in Week 17 in an ugly game against Atlanta, it looked like Atlanta had it. With that more Atlanta being inept, maybe, but we just continue to see if Mahomes has the ball in the last second. We'll see some good things. Until I see otherwise, I'm going to ride with them. So who wins? Oh, my goodness gracious. I, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think I 
Uh, until I see some more of the, these playoff football games, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go out and say I'll be the homer team and take, take the Packers, I think. I just really like what I've seen on defense. We always talked about it uh, when the last time the Green Bay Packers, Packers had a top 10 defense. They won the Super Bowl. They snuck in at nine this year, and I think that's a really big deal. So I will go with the Packers. Love it. So I will say this. I'm switching NFC to Packers as well. Uh, I'm not just saying that because you just said it. You're right. The two things. One, last time they had a top 10 defense, won the Super Bowl. They're at number nine. Aaron Rodgers never had the uh, home NFC championship game. He's going to have it this season. That matters to me. So I'm going to pick the Packers as well. And you know what? Let's go wild. The Buffalo Bills are going to the Super Bowl. The Buffalo Bills. Let's go. You know what? Who cares? Who cares? This is the first time that I can legitimately say it, and people might laugh a little bit, but nobody's going to call me crazy. We're we're one of the hotter. Not at all. Not at all. So I'm saying it right now so that in three weeks I can either be like, you know what? It was my team. I picked them. Or I can be like, I freaking called it. I'm going to say Bills Packers. Josh and Adam have the dilemma to end all dilemmas in their entire best friendship over whether or not to watch the game with, with each other in the Super Bowl this year. Um, I just think, like I said, I, I could be the, the, the way I could be wrong about this is if – KC and every KC supporter, this is their defense, is saying we've been coasting because we know we're waiting for the playoffs. If that's true, then they probably beat us along the way to go to the Super Bowl. But if that's not, and they actually have struggled the way we've seen them struggle, and it's not just, you know what, we don't care about these games, which in and of itself I think is an issue to delve into at another point in time. But if, if, if that's what it is, if they really are just coasting, then there's some problems. But if they are what I think we've seen them be, which is more flawed than we thought that they were, then I think Buffalo beats this team. I think that Allen and the offense can match that offense, and I think that our defense is just a little bit more opportunistic than KC, and we pull away with that one play at the end and win. Go. So I'm going to pick it. I'm going to go Buffalo, Green Bay. Let's do it. (laughs) There we go. Well, I have to have a super special episode for that one, man. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it, but let's – Let's get through Super Wild Card Week right. first, shall we? Right, right. Should be a lot of fun, my friend. All right, so do you, uh, do you have any tidbits or anything you want to go before I add the, the Browns interview? Uh, I do not. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to this weekend. I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, there was 256 games of football this season, something that uh, four months ago when we sat down and talked about it, we weren't completely positive whether or not it was going to happen. I think you and I were yeah. both on the side of it happening. Truly amazing. Obviously there's been a lot of, a lot of craziness this year. So it was successful and uh, hopefully we have a successful postseason. So I'm really grateful. It's been a good year with you, my friend. So let's, uh, let's enjoy these playoffs. Okay. Truly amazing. And hey, guys, make sure you check us out. Uh, we have a new Instagram account. It's literally just at Simultaneous Catch, spelled how it is. We are running a giveaway right now. Once we hit a certain number of followers, we will pick a person who entered the contest. You get a free jersey or sweater of whatever team of your choice. Make sure you check that out. Uh, otherwise, enjoy the weekend, and God bless. All right, so we've got my you know, uh, Cleveland correspondents here. <laughs> Um, you guys who have been listening to Simultaneous Catch for a while, you know one of them, my cousin James Achilles was on, I believe two years ago, it was Baker's rookie year, we talked about it for a while, 
uh, very exciting. But then his brother Anthony, and then of course my uncle Jim, all three avid Browns fans. Very excited to have you guys on the show for today. Um, texted you. I, I, you guys think you were at the game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's oh man, I, I can't imagine that atmosphere. What that was like. So. So, yeah, I initial thoughts is what I'm interested in. Being a Bills fan, I know what it was like when we broke our – I think we matched streaks 18 years. I think we matched how long the drought was. I remember, like, legitimately I sobbed when we <laughs> made it in. It was emotional for me. So we're just going down the line here just as a, as a fan of the Cleveland Browns your whole life. So what are your initial thoughts after, after making it? Dude, I, like, I'm the youngest out of everyone here. So I, I don't even really remember when we were ever good. So like, <laughs> so like I, yeah, of course I know that I was alive during the Tim Couch era and everything, right. but I don't actually remember watching him play. Yeah. Uh, so to just be the, to, to sit here and, and see for the first time a good Browns team, I really don't even know how to feel, honestly. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. I don't know how to feel. Um, be and, and I think being at the game, it, it was what was it, guys? Twelve thousand people yeah. capacity yeah. wise. That's yeah. cool. so. Like, it wasn't a full stadium, but, but still. still, after the game is over, they had uh, I forget what song was playing. I know Cleveland Rock. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Cleveland Rock was blaring. It says twenty twenty. <laughs> playoffs on the big oh, screen and awesome. i'm just sitting there like i know me and james were both like taking videos screaming at each other through the phone right like what is even going on right, and it's, right. it's the thursday after and i still am trying to figure out how i'm supposed to feel so right. i don't even <laughs> that's kind of where i'm at right now right it was the night was the 1990s was the last time you guys were in the playoffs or was it beginning of 2000 2002 2002 so it was tim couch um yeah and that's just Kelly, I remember Kelly Holcomb, oh, Kelly Holcomb, Holcomb. who also Holcomb. played oh, okay. for the who also played for the Bills actually for a bit. Um, I remember one of my first uh, football games I went to was with you. Uh, I can't remember if it was James or Anthony, but Uncle Jim, you, me, my dad, and one of the two of you went to yep. the Derek Anderson led Browns, which yeah. was the year I think you guys got the closest during the drought. Uh, when you came down the wire to win again, so yeah, 2007. So you know, we as Bills fans and Browns fans, we've we've gone back and forth for a while. But but James, like, how does it feel, man? <laughs> man, like, yeah, I, I remember 2002 uh, that that playoff game, uh, like it was yesterday when Dennis Northcutt dropped that third and twelve. Dennis Northcutt. Is, is the deepest of deep cuts I've ever had on simultaneous game. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and yeah, like I remember that Derek Anderson two thousand seven that like that team. But like I, I I've never my entire lifetime I've never seen a team like this twenty twenty yeah. Cleveland Browns right of playing together and everybody you could just tell the entire team is bought in and honestly it was for me that that Tennessee Titan game. Yeah, was was the game that yeah changed complete 180 degrees for me of, of my thought process for sure. Man, like I love this <laughs> team. Yeah, <laughs> like I I talked with Anthony and my dad and and a few of my really closest Browns fans, for sure. uh, friends. It literally these last 
few weeks, like it has made life so much better. Is it, it's, like, oh, it's wonderful. Like, Rose color. <laughs> it, it's crazy, like how how much happier. <laughs> and we've yeah, and we've legitimately like we're living through a hard time right now, and in, in, mm-hmm. in every way imaginable, uh, and it's just. That's why, and Josh and I have this segment on our show every other week, bigger than football, because it's you know it's why we love sports. It really like infects our lives, and just like just to kind of segue into you, Uncle Jim. Like I don't know how you started to be a Browns fan, really, but I can imagine living through all kinds of different eras for you as a Browns fan, and then bringing you know your two sons into the fandom. What that's like to share with them in the in the stadium i can't imagine what that feels like and just like a little humble brag at the beginning of the sh- at the beginning of the season i predicted 11 wins for the browns and josh laughed me off of the episode <laughs> nice. and we, we made a bet about it and i did win that bet so he does owe me for this bet so we're, so i just like i said just to just to Get back on, on course there for a second. Just, what was that like to share that with with Anthony and James in that stadium? And and what's it feel like now to have this new, sort of feels like a new era of Browns, not just a, you guys snuck in there. This feels like a new era. Well, Adam, you are very good at what you do because you led into that very well about how long I've been a Browns fan and yeah. all the things that I went through. And that's exactly just to give some perspective to the listeners out there as to what my story is i'm 56 years old i've been a browns fan since the 70s i remember leroy kelly and mike Phipps. oh leroy. i watched i watched red right 88 when brian sype was supposed to throw the ball in the lake if nobody was open <laughs> i lived through the drive i lived through the fumble oh. i lived through the move um and you know for the past 18, James is 28, so for the past 20-plus years when they were old enough to understand the Browns, I don't have to apologize for the 20th year in a row to them for doing what I did to them. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that's a good feeling in itself, and I want to say to them for the first time, not, and we're live, so this is kind of cool, I want to say to both of them, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta say, I've, I've, listen. I've lived, I've lived the successes of Cleveland. I've seen, <laughs> you know, the success of Cleveland, and to be in that stadium with them too, for them to see something like that unfold. I, I'm telling you, when when uh, uh, Baker did that little three yard scramble, which I was uh, peeing my pants. Like, what are they doing, running Baker Mayfield? Oh. Probably the biggest play of our season. I tell you, the chills that went through my body were not because uh, it was 35 degrees in Cleveland and the wind uh, amazing. It was because I was with my two boys uh, living through a, just an amazing, amazing moment. And I, I couldn't, I can't, I can't believe how it could have been if there were 70,000 fans there. Uh, and it was yeah. still great with 12,000. I got to say, this is exactly the reason why I wanted to have you on. One, because I thought Dennis Norcutt was going to deep cut. And then you pulled Leroy out of your ass? That's not, like, I gotta tell you, that's, but also just legitimately, like, I know, like, that, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about, you know what I mean? We, we love the sport for so many reasons, but sharing those moments with people, especially the ones we love the most, that's why we love football so much. And when people are like, how could you follow it so, like, the way that we do, and it's, this is why. Those moments, you can't describe those moments in words. 
And, and you know, Adam, and the really cool thing about it is, like I said, I guess I more or less brainwashed my two boys to be Browns fans. <laughs> but the beauty of how genuine me as a Browns fan is, I've got five brothers. Right. And then there's my father. So that's six males in my house. Right. I am the only Browns fan. Uh, that's so, nuts. So there, there's the genuinity of the whole thing of how much I love Cleveland Browns. And how it happened? Well, they were the team that was on NBC with Notre Dame every Sunday. Right, right. So that's all I was seeing. And like I said, Leroy Kelly and Mike Phipps, man. <laughs> Leroy <laughs> Kelly. And hey, I mean, I still, like I said, I, remember, I still remember driving to that Browns game. And it was one of my first games, like I said, I saw with you and my dad. And I still remember we were driving, and I was like, what's the key to the game for you? And you said, give the ball to Jerome Harrison. So there's a deep cut for you. There's a, there's a deep cut for you. Um, but regardless, so, yeah, like I said, I, I remember – and this, this, this Browns team feels different than it obviously, you know, extenuating circumstances put to a side for a second because we know what's happening with the coronavirus, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. But – when the Bills made the playoffs a couple years ago, it was very much like good for you, pat on the back. There's no way we're going anywhere. Yeah, Terod Taylor was our starter. Love the dude. Solid quarterback. But there, we didn't feel real great about getting past that Jags defense who ended up going to the, to the title game. And obviously the Steelers have stumbled of late, but the Steelers are a tough out. You just beat them without most of their starters. It's hard. So I want to go back down the line again. Just tell me, what are your expectations for this game? I know that, listen, there are no Baker Mayfield haters right now on the show. Josh is always iffy on him, but I have always loved Baker. And I know that you said, what do you do when calling that play? I love the play called, <laughs> let's roll Baker Mayfield to the right and have him pick up this bleeping first down. It's fantastic. So I want to know, like, how do you feel Baker Mayfield coming to this game? Obviously, OBJ's been out for the whole year, so that's been tough. But he's come, but Baker's come out strong as, like, the leader now. Uh, obviously, Stefanski's been able to find sort of this zen mode in Baker in big moments where he doesn't freak out. Um, so, so just expectations heading into this. It's the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, I can start. I It's funny because the word expectations has been really big for me this season because what my dad said earlier about brainwashing us, and I'm the youngest one for 24 years, not having seen a good Browns team, it has taught me a lot of life lessons in terms of expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those and, life uh, lessons. And, and Ant, it's one of those life lessons that your dad lies to you all the time. Well, <laughs> apparently. Um, so I've been trained to not set expectations for this team <laughs> and over the years because I was at a point where I would smack the couch if a uh, bad play would happen. Nice. And then it got to a point where I would see my dad and James smack the couch and I would just laugh because I was like, I'm going to move on to the next play because I'm not getting mad anymore because they find different ways to do different things and I'm not making myself mad anymore. For sure. And, and I know James just said he bought in during the Tennessee game. Right. I didn't even buy in on the Tennessee game. <laughs> like, I was still sitting there in the first half. We're up by, what, three or four touchdowns? Right. And I'm still sitting there like I'm even more scared. There's now. a way. Oh, <laughs> because they're going yes. to find a way to yep. screw this up, yep. and I'm not going to make myself mad about it. I know what I'm that's just like. Gonna I'm going to roll with this punch. I know what that's and then like. It, it was, what was it, 42 to 35? Right. I will say so, that's a great – that's amazing, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, so I think I bought in during the Giants game. I just sent a simple text that right. said, this is really fun to watch. Yeah. It's so simple, yet it was effective in the sense that I was actually having a lot of fun watching it. And I think just expectations for this game, I'm still not going to get super high because okay. I'm just happy we made it to the No, first. yeah. We made it to the dance, and so I don't want to mm-hmm. put anything on this team because now I know that we're like, right. for real. And I think when it comes to Baker as a leader, um, that's that's why I, I'm just really excited for what's to happen in the years to come. Yeah. And the culture that they've created with, like, for I just sure. saw a video with Jarvis the other day from Hard Knocks a few years ago right. talking to his wide receiving core, saying, just talking about how important practicing is. Right. Like, oh, and dropping that. an dropping an f-bomb every other word like giving his team like this is the culture that we need yeah yeah this is what we need to brew and that's been brewing for years or two years since since he was or one or two years right but um so that's why it's not even really about for me like oh god we need to like i'm i will be so upset if we lose this game yeah i'm just at a point where i'm like we made the dance and Mm -hmm. i believe in this team now and the culture that we created for years to come hopefully and there's a level there's a level of getting that monkey off your back for sure that was what it was like with buffalo was like just get that like people stop talking about it uh (laughs) and and I, and I, i would love to be like just enjoy it but we all like we lost the game ten to three against Jacksonville. We made it, and I was still like, "We should have won that game, man." So, like, I get it. But uh, James, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, uh, I would say my expectations. Same, like to piggy off of what Anthony's saying is, I mean, this team's going to come out for a dog fight. Like, like I said, of what I've seen from this team so far, like they are so bought in. I follow all the, a lot of the players on Twitter, on Instagram. Right. So, like, I, I keep up with what they're saying with each other. And, like, I, the team chemistry, I've never seen uh, Cleveland Browns team chemistry the way I've seen it now. And what Kevin Stefanski has done with this team, I know he's not going to be on the sidelines, but he's going to have this team ready. Like, yeah. this team yeah. is going to be ready. And yeah. they, this is just – I know we're we're gonna get to that, but yeah, we'll touch on it in a sec. Uh, my my yeah, I mean my expectations is they're gonna come out human, and even what Anthony said, the most important thing for me as a fan is what he said about just the culture moving forward. Right, like I am so excited for the future of the Cleveland Browns now, which is awesome, and. Which is, I've never felt this way in my life. It's an incredible feeling. No, it's January and we're talking about playoffs. We're not talking Instead about of the draft. So yeah, you're like, all right, who are we going to get? Who are we going to draft? <laughs> no, it's, it's, so, so that's my biggest thing of my expectations that's awesome. for the future is so exciting. Right. And we are, we are looking, looking bright. Yeah, and uh, just a segue to you, Uncle Jim. Like, uh, I know you're probably just as excited as the rest of them, but taking in your experience of seeing playoff games before for the Cleveland Browns, I, I, I guess I'd like to hear about how does this feel any different, if it does feel any different, uh, and then obviously still your expectations for this game, but I'm interested in to hear about the, the contrast between this Cleveland Browns team and, and ones that you've seen before. Well, um to answer the question about how this may be different, 
our last two playoff losses were to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rough. The last two times we were in the Pittsburgh. Rough. So what's going to be different is we're going to win this year, right? Of course. <laughs> of course. And uh, just, uh, I mean, just my expectations on the game, just to hit a you know, very general, um, I think the pressure is all on Pittsburgh. I don't think there's any pressure on us. Pittsburgh, we've been playing better football in December than Pittsburgh. I agree. Pittsburgh has lost three out of four games. I agree. They played one good half against the Indianapolis Colts. Other than that, they've looked like crap. They have not played well. So I think the pressure's all on them. Absolutely. Now, obviously, we don't have our uh, our leader, Kevin Stefanski. But guess what? This guy is such a great leader. When he's not going to be there, these guys are going to know what to do. And this is this is in time, like whether it's in sports or real life, when a leader is missing that everybody looked up to and learned from, great things happen. People, yeah. people just reach and, and, and just do something like spectacular when that person is missing. And that's, that's kind of like what, what I feel. I feel like, you know, this guy has completely changed his culture in Cleveland. Absolutely. 100%. If he's yep. not coach of the year, and the guy in yep. Buffalo has done a great job. The guy in Miami has done a great job. But what this guy has done with this franchise, of what these poor kids of mine have been living through for the past 20 years, is remarkable. To hear my son, Anthony, who is the most even-minded you know, stays right here with his emotions and is so, so honest with how he, you know, uh, feels about things. You know, he, his buy-in, he was so difficult to pull in. And for <laughs> him, for him to, to, for him to buy in and, and see what's going on here in Cleveland, you know, that's that awesome. tells me a lot. And this guy, that's awesome. This guy's done a, done a remarkable job. That's awesome. And I, I, I actually, so... Earlier in the show, Josh and I talked about it. Stavansky is my coach of the year. I legitimately, we've been. Hey, yeah, Adam, yeah. Adam, can I interrupt you? Yeah, I go ahead. What I wanted to say at first, I wanted to give you the end of the expectation scenario, the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Game's over. Browns win. Baker Mayfield seeks out a flag <laughs> from the from the <laughs> runs to the center of the field to stay on the Steelers logo and plants that flag right in the middle of the 50-yard line of Pittsburgh Steelers and guess what the curse is gone love it oh, i actually man. i actually so love that and it's ironic because he did that to ohio state so he's now playing for an ohio team to do that um, but absolutely like i said legitimately like Stefanski is my coach of the year. It was Brian Flores for a while. I don't. I just don't think you get votes as a team if you don't make the playoffs. I know that's hard uh, because I also don't. I also don't love the whole you can't win certain awards if you don't make the playoffs. I think it's silly, but legitimately, no. Yeah, I think the top three would be Flores in Miami, McDermott in Buffalo. But Stefanski is my coach of the year. I don't know who ends up winning it. I would be shocked if he's not first or second. So I agree with you with that. Uh, now, so we all we all kind of touched on it a little bit. So you can touch on it if you want. But I'd like to kind of call an audible here uh, as, as a last question. You could talk about Stefanski if you want. But we, we kind of mentioned it, Josh and I, when we talked about it. And I mentioned it to you guys before we went on live. 
the first quarter is all going to be scripted. He's going to say, this is this is your first third and three, that's your play call. Your first 15 plays of the first two drives, these are your play calls. Like That's all going to be scripted. Uh, and the nugget that I'm going to give you, uh, Alex Van Pelt actually played quarterback for Buffalo. But he was also the quarterback's coach for the Bills in 2007 or 2008. The beginning of the season, Turk Schonert, the offensive coordinator, was fired in Buffalo before the Monday night opener against the New England Patriots. And Alex Van Pelt, with less than a week to prepare, was called up to call plays for Buffalo. We were leading 25-13 in the late fourth quarter. We ended up losing that game because our defense choked it. But not knowing the system at all, Alex Van Pelt called place to 25 points with Trent Edwards at quarterback. So I'm not that worried about Alex Van Pelt. That's a little yeah. bit of a nugget. So if you guys want to like, if you want to touch on that at all, but my question is what, what, like if you win the, let's, let's fast forward to Sunday night. It's 1am games over Browns won. Give me the one reason why it happened. That's what I want to know. You guys win. We're on the show next week, and I say, you know what? Anthony, James, Uncle Jim, they all said this is why they won. I I think it's just the hunger. Okay. Like, it's literally just the, the deprivation of how they've just been so inconsistent. It just the deprivation of needing something for the city. Like, it's just the passion, yeah. I think. Like, it's, there's, it's really just they everyone in that locker room knows how important this is for themselves and for the city. And it's really just going to come down to passion. It's like whoever's in the locker room, it doesn't matter who's in there and who's not. Like you're not going to blame anybody for it. You're not going to play victim to anything. They're going to go in with a mindset of I'm going pure passion, pure hustle, and we're going to get this thing done. I don't care who's in in this locker room or not. Yeah, for sure. And so it it sucks, but – I yeah. mean, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. And so it's, and that's how they think. Yes. They're, and they're not satisfied. You know, there's nothing that they can do about it. Yeah. And so that's why they can't play any sort of victim and just go straight. I love that. Passion. I love that. I love that a lot. I do think that that you guys will come out firing to start the game. I hope that you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you got, James? And yeah, to even, uh, to even go a little bit more specific, of, of like a, a key to win is, is if their defensive backs are going to win us this game. And if our defensive backs can stand up and, and make plays and stop Ben Roethlisberger, stop Chase Claypool, and they're loaded wide receivers crew. And especially if hopefully Denzel Ward's playing, hopefully Ken, Kevin Johnson can play. Yeah, for but sure. I, I would say the – and, and, and I was thinking about this earlier, too, is one thing that stinks is obviously COVID right. players being out and everything happened. But a positive for that is that Cleveland has had to deal with that the for last sure. few weeks. Absolutely. So this isn't going to change it's not anything new. different. So, yeah, I think keys to the game are defensive backs. Okay. we got to get turnovers, obviously, but our yeah. defensive backs, if they can step up, and play the best game yeah. that they've played all year, we will win this game. And defense, defense aside, I've joked countless times on Simultaneous Catch, if I need a new GM, I'm calling Pittsburgh and I'm saying, who drafts wide receivers for you guys? Uh, <laughs> I, have a che- I, have a ch- I have a check. Go ahead and fill it out. 
<laughs> so what 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 how do, how does Cleveland win this game, Uncle Jim? Well, I, 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 Anthony is is certainly right. Passion is going to, I think, play a big role in this whole thing, and you know that only typically goes for so long into the game, right? But hopefully they can maintain that. Uh, and and what James said, you know, I'm I'm on the same page as him, but I'm going to look at it this way. I'm going to give you two scenarios. We don't even know, and we may not know until Sunday who our cornerbacks are going to be on defense. For sure, yeah. So game planning for that is going to be a nightmare. So I think how we're going to win this football game is, and by the way, I'm happy Ben Roethlisberger is playing, to be honest with you. He hasn't been playing very well. I'd rather see him than Kyle Rudolph at this time. And so that being said, if our defensive line can – do what they need to do and put pressure on this guy and and let our cornerbacks play a little bit tighter defense for sure and put pressure on Roethlisberger so he, he, he doesn't get enough time for these guys to get open if yeah. that happens that's scenario one so then we got to right. give the ball to Nick Chubb 25 times minimum okay <laughs> minimum I, I, I minimum mean, we've been saying that for a long time yes this guy is one of the top running backs in the league I agree. I don't care who you put him up against. I agree. He is an unbelievable running back. Yes. Give him the ball 25 times. So if that defensive line does its job and, and then we can run the football, that's scenario one. That's how we win this game. Mm-hmm. Scenario two, if the defensive line doesn't, then we're going to win this game because Baker Mayfield's going to put up 42 points on the board. It could happen. And that's what it's, it's going to come down to. Because we're not going to be able to stop Pittsburgh. They're going to score 35, 40 points. Okay. And, and Stefanski, I guarantee you, Stefanski is talking about that yeah. as a scenario. Yeah. Because he's done it earlier this year. He knew that Baltimore game, he needed to score a bunch of points. Absolutely. He scored a bunch of points. If yeah. we would have had the ball last, we would have won that. It's still the game of the year for Josh and I. Definitely <laughs> the game of the year. So. So, I mean, that, that's the way I see it on how we're going to win this football game. Yeah. And, and, man, I just hope that passion can go for four quarters because if it does, look out. I agree. I agree. And Baker's certainly the guy to lead that passion through a full game. That's just who he is. It's why he was in the number one overall pick. And I will say about Nick Chubb, Josh and I are agreements on this. We think he's the best pure runner of the football in the NFL. And I'm no, like, pure runner. Like, Derrick Henry's a monster, and I love him, but he does not – like. Into pure running, Nick Chubb's the best. Like, it just in his cuts, his moves, uh, he's got the power, he's got the speed to run away. Like, we both, we're in agreement with that. He's, he's, I think, he's nuts. <laughs> I think he leads the league in, in, in yards per carry, and I think he leads the league in yards after contact. He does, he does. And the yards per carry is also because he missed a handful of games and he was still near the top of the league. So, he's, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. So, uh, real quick, just to wrap up because we're hitting our our uh, limit here on our show. Uh, we always have our guests when they come on pick the games. So, real quick, going through the three of you guys, go ahead and pick uh, who 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 we got in this Sunday night football game. Oh, bro, you already know. The I love it. Game. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Are we going going points too? You can do points. You can do points. 80 to – no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. Fantastic. Let's say 
Cleveland Browns, 27-24. Ooh, okay. I, like uh, I guess I'm going to go with the scenario of I, I think there's going to be too much pressure that I don't think – I'm hoping we can put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger is what I'm hoping happens. But if that don't happen, uh, Baker's going to light it up. Browns 45, Pittsburgh 38. What a game. Anthony, you got to score. Anthony, you got to score. I'm going to go Browns 32, Pittsburgh 28. Well, listen, I hope that it's close regardless of how it goes. Uh, and obviously the whole pressure issue, I know Olivier Vernon being out is going to hurt, but hopefully Miles Garrett can also pop up. Obviously things stacked against you guys, but Baker and this Browns team seems like the team that thrives on their backs against the wall. So, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank like you. I said, yeah, bigger, big, bigger, bigger than football. It's just what it's all about. Uh, make sure everybody listening to the show, make sure you do follow us. We have a new Instagram. It's literally just at Simultaneous Catch. We are running a giveaway. When we hit a certain number of followers, we will pick somebody who liked, commented, and shared it. Our first post, free jersey slash sweater, whichever you want. I'm, I'm dead ass. You, we will get it for you. It's free. So just go ahead, follow us, share it, comment somebody. Uh, we'll get that going. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show here. Thank you, everybody, for joining Simultaneous Catch. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. We have our Browns correspondents. Joshua Lapping was on the phone earlier. Thank you all. Enjoy Super Wild Card Weekend. God bless.